I'm really excited about this series because um, I don't really talk about the last days too much. Um, uh, it's not really uh, what I focus in on. It's not my 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 bailiwick. My bailiwick is um, pressing people to have a personal relationship pursuit with the presence of God. I'm constantly pushing people towards prayer, towards entertaining His presence. That's just my thing. Um, but it is with paramount importance that we recognize that when Jesus hung on the cross, He died, rose again on the third day, and He said, I will be back. And in Matthew chapter 24, there's this long list of signs that will all be showing right before He comes back. And Jesus left over 2,000 years ago, and there's always been signs. There's been signs for 2,000 years, but never, ever before has there been all the signs showing at the exact same time. And I promise you, I give you my word, I'm not going to use any type of, you know, uh, emotional manipulation or scare tactics. I'm just going to lay the facts out before you. And uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit is going to minister your heart at the same time. Let me just tell you what my motivation is for this morning. Uh, It's twofold, actually. Number one is that everybody would have this introspection checkup of how are they doing? How are you doing with your relationship with God? Are you ready to see Jesus Christ? That's the first thing that I want you to be thinking about because the time is now to get that figured out. And then the second thing is, God has an assignment on your life to make sure that you don't go to heaven by yourself. Amen. You have a responsibility. And so at the same time, I want you to be thinking about that as well. How serious are you taking the responsibility that's on your life? Let me see if I can illustrate this in a visual fashion. Uh, Charles, why don't you come on up here and just stand right here. And, and, uh, and Pastor Lance and Michelle and, and Omar and, and the interns, all of you interns, why don't you come on up. And David and Jamie, why don't you guys come up. Just kind of huddle together over here. And, and when you're looking at this group over here, I want you to imagine that all of them are either... Um, uh, friends or family of Charles and I. Okay, these are these are this is our friends and family over here, and uh, and, and what I, I want you to be thinking is, okay, Charles and I take our relationship with God very serious. Um, we go to church, we do the best we can. Uh, whenever we make a mistake or we sin, we say something we shouldn't say, we just say, Lord, we're sorry, and we just get right back to pursuing the Lord. We take our relationship with God very serious. Now, our friends over here, we don't know. They may, they may not. We don't know how serious they take their relationship with God. We work with them. They live on the same street as us. Uh, we play bingo together. Um, Some of them might have a relationship with God. Some of them might not have a relationship with God. But what Charles and I do is we just mind our own business. And because we know we're going to heaven. Right? So, so, but we're just, we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, create an awkward moment. So we're just going to like pay attention to ourselves and our four no more. And uh, we're going to get together, we're going to have church together, we're going to worship together, 
Um, you know, for those of you that are seasoned in the Lord, we're going to prophesy to each other. But anyone who doesn't go to church, well, they're just going to have to figure that out. We're just going to have to figure that out. I just want to let you know that may be comfortable for you, but that is not God's will for your life. And, and when I'm teaching this morning, I hope that you are thinking two things. Number one is your relationship with God. Is it going in the trend and direction that it should be? And then number two, are you just focused on you and one other person possibly or two other people possibly? Or are you making sure that anyone in this city who has the same blood running through their veins as you do, whether it's your mother, your grandmother, your sissy, your mammy, your pappy, your, your son, your daughter, you're making sure that they are coming with you at least once or twice a month, at least, and, and you're constantly looking at your, your friendship circle. Because here's the thing, you are responsible for them. That's right. You're responsible. And God is not okay. He's not okay with you and I living life like, oh man, can't wait till Jesus comes back. God's coming soon. Because here's the thing, I've got people all the time telling me, Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. And deep down inside, I'm thinking this in the back of my mind. You don't really believe that. I don't say it because I'm not interested in causing an argument. But in the back of my mind, I'm saying, that sounds good, but you do not believe that. Because if you really did believe that, You would be dragging people to church. Dragging them. So when I hear it, I say, that sounds great. But we can all say random things. I can tell you I'm a doctor. I'm Doogie Hauser. I was a doctor when I was 14 years old. I can say whatever I want to say. But when you back up and you look at the actions and you look at the proof and the pudding, do not tell me that you believe that Jesus is coming back if you've got this casual approach to the season that we're living in. So that's the challenge. I just went to the end of the sermon and told you my whole sermon. So now you can be like, okay, I don't even know if I need to pay attention anymore. But please do, okay? Thank you guys so much. You guys did awesome. You guys did awesome. I, I was reading about a priest and, uh, and, uh, uh, and a, uh, a pastor. Uh, they were uh, standing in the road and they had a sign out and they were saying, the end is near. The end is near. And this guy rolled his window down. And said, you spiritual quacks, get out of the road. And all of a sudden, there's this big splash. Whoosh, and the car fell in the lake. And, and the priest looked at the pastor and he said, do you think we should change the wording of our sign to say that the end of the bridge is near? <laughs> it's all... All right, let's, uh, let's dive right in. Ezekiel chapter 38, um, we're going to start reading uh, in verse number one, okay? Uh, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief priest of Meshech and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say, 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, fully armed, and a great horde with large and small shields. All of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them. All with shields and helmets. Also Gomer with all its troops and Beth. And as you begin to read, you start seeing that there is a major war of all these nations taking place. I'm not going to read the entire chapter to you. But what we are going to do is we're going to unpack the few verses that I just read to show you that there are certain signs that are unavoidable. The first phrase of words that I want to stare at just for a moment is the words hooks in the jaws of nations. Hooks in the jaws of nations. Basically what that's saying is that God is literally going to grab nations. He's going to put hooks in their jaws And he's going to pull them all together into one place at one time for one huge battle. Just to give you a visual illustration, imagine you were fishing and you were to cast your, 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 your fishing pole. And instead of having one line on it, you've got 20. And you've got a hook at the end of each line. You cast it out and you send it out into the lake. And, and, and uh, you get a bass on every single hook. One, two, three, four, five, all the way to 20. And then you reel it in. You're reeling in 20 fish at the same time. That is exactly what the Lord is saying he's going to do with these nations. He's going to put a hook in the jaws of these nations. And he's going to pull them all together for one huge battle. This is called the Battle of Armageddon. Now, what's interesting is I had an opportunity to go to where this battle is going to be at. It's going to be in the Valley of Medego. Now, what's crazy is while I was looking at this valley, and many of you guys have been there as well, it's so green and so peaceful. And as far as you can see, it just seems like the most peaceful place on earth. And you see animals and farms and people's houses and you're sitting here looking at it and you're like, oh my goodness, the battle of Armageddon, all the nations of the world are going to come right here. You know, when you turn on the news, whatever your favorite news station is, and you see these nations, major players, people like China, North Korea, Iran, Russia, the United States, Iraq, all of these people... They, are they evil? Some of them very much are. But it's way bigger than that. They are being pulled together. They're, intag- they're being pulled together for one big war. God is behind it. The best way I can illustrate this is when I was in high school in the locker room, I played basketball in high school, a lot of times there would be these guys would get nose to nose with each other and get ready to fight. So they're in nose to nose, they're cheek to cheek. I mean, they're so close, they look like they're about to kiss. But they're like nose to nose and they're yelling. And the rest of us, we're kind of in a circle. And we're waiting for these guys to fight. But if they take too long to get it going, the rest of us kind of help it along a little bit. 
will come up. And so they're in there in each other's face. And so we'll come up and somebody will say, touch me. Go ahead. Touch me. Touch me. And so we'll come up behind one of them and push them into the other one. So one's like, touch me. Go ahead. Touch me. And all of a sudden he pumps in and he's like, what are you now they're swinging. And what happened is we got behind them and just pushed them in. These nations that we're seeing, the Lord is literally behind it. Pushing everybody together for this major war that's coming up. And as you're watching, I want you to just kind of watch the tension is rising so significantly. Now, when you're watching, I want you to just keep in mind a few things. Russia is there, and some of you guys know this stuff better than I do. Okay, let me just say that at the out front. Russia's intensity, or the Cold War level right now, it's, it's higher than it's been in decades, it's almost like they're antagonizing other nations. And what I'm gonna, everything that I'm going to say this morning is not my opinion. It's all fact, either out of the Word of God, or you can just go home and watch the news. Um, but Russia is, is antagonizing nations, particularly the United States. I'm going to give you just a series of examples, just three or four of them. Within the last two months, these incidences have occurred. Number one, two Russian fighter jets flew within 30 feet of the USS Donald Cook. You know what 30 feet is? 30 feet is that ceiling right there. That's 30 feet. They call it buzzing. Just buzzing by. Watch this. A Russian interceptor flew within 50 feet between 50 feet of an American aircraft. In January, a Russian jet fighter came within 20 feet of a US RC-135 aircraft flying over the Black Sea. In October, a US Navy jet intercepted two Russian Tu-145 aircrafts that were flying near an aircraft carrier named USS Ronald Reagan in the Pacific Ocean. This is Russia, in my own verbiage, my own vernacular, sending warplanes just buzzing by. Now, to try to put that in some, into some everyday language, going back to a high school analogy, Sometimes in the locker room, one guy would walk up to another, and a guy's in his locker, and he's messing with his shoes, and, and a guy would walk up and just look at him and go, right? Just look at him, and, just, and, and the guy would jump. Raise your hand, you guy, all you girls are like, you guys are so immature, we know that, okay? <laughs> we know that, but guys, raise your hand. It's so all of a sudden, a guy would just walk up to him and go, hey man, what are you doing, what are you doing? To and the guy just jump. This is what Russia's basically doing. It's just kind of by and you're like. Now, this has nothing to do with President Obama, okay? So do not send me any emails. <laughs> Got it? 
There are Democratic presidents and Republican presidents that were once in office in our past. That if you would have did that on their clock, it would be a different story right now. You do it on their clock, you take a plane and buzz it by our boys out in the sea, 30 feet above their head, it's on. It's on. Now, I'm going to go on the flip side of the coin, lest anybody think that this is about President Obama, because it's not. At least he's wanting peace. Let's just give him that. So now I've said one thing that could be interpreted negative and one thing that could be interpreted positive. So leave me alone. Leave me alone. No emails. My point is, has nothing to do with Obama, has everything to do with Russia, is antagonizing what I believe to be the greatest country in the world. Now, what is actually happening here? Are they evil? Are they jerks? It's bigger than that. It's way bigger than that. God is literally pulling in nations towards each other. Let's talk a little bit uh, about the most popular nation out there that seems to be causing all the ruckus uh, right now or this week. They seem to take turns. Iran. So Iran is, was testing nuclear bombs. And so this is in Frankie's terms, okay? Um, there were, let me make sure, the joint plan of action came before them. There were six world powers, and then including Iran, sat down and said, we want you to promise you're not going to do that anymore. They said, okay, we promise. Do you double pinky promise? We promise. Now, according to the World Post report, the Islamic Republic has repeatedly test-fired long-range ballistic missiles and laser-guided surface-to-surface missiles in October and November 2015, just after the nuclear deal was reached, right after they promised. Iran tested a new ballistic missile capable of carrying multiple warheads. This was a breach of two UN security resolutions. This is what's happening. Do you promise you're not going to do that anymore? Yes. The next day. They're going to test regardless of what we say. That's been made abundantly clear. So now we got Russia. We got Iran. China is the only country on the map that can put together one million foot soldiers. When you read the book of Revelations, you read the book of Daniel, it talks about a million man army. China is the only country that can put a million, a million boots on the ground. And they like to show us that. They like to show us that. They put it on the news all the time. Israel and Palestine. Now, some of you, especially the oil and gas people, you guys travel way more than I do. You can educate me much more than what I have already learned through the news. But I went to Israel two years ago, and I've heard about this Palestine-Israeli tension between the two of them. Heard about it. You guys have heard about it. And I go there, and I was blown away the level of tension on the street is so high. Let me just kind of update everybody if you're not well-traveled or if you don't like to read. Let me just kind of update you. The Palestinians don't have land. 
They want land. They want Israel's land to be their land. Israel told them, go jump off a bridge. You're not having any of our land. So now there's a lot of tension there. Here's the thing. Just imagine for a second, Louisiana says, we want to start moving in. We want Louisiana to get a little bit bigger. We're going to move into Texas. Ha. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I, I, please, say when. <laughs> I'm your huckleberry. Say when. There is no way. Quickly. Just, just keep running. It, <laughs> there's no way Texas would go, hey, Louisiana, come on over. And to be honest, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody. We like Louisiana. They're, they're an up-and-coming third-world nation. Just... <laughs> We like Louisiana. They can, they can spank some boudin. They can put together some jambalaya, jump a little higher. They, they, we like going to Louisiana. Louisiana likes coming over here. At least they used to before I opened up my big mouth. I just realized we got people from Louisiana in this room. But, so watch this. We love people from Louisiana. I feel like Donald Trump. I love Mexico. I love Mexico. <laughs> oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. Help me, help me, help me, Lord. Jesus, please. I just want to make heaven my home. All right. <laughs> All right. So we love people from Louisiana. We're, even though we love them, we're still not going to give them a piece of our land. That's and we love them. They hate each other. A level of hate that is undescribable. Those of you that have been there and you know what I'm talking about, would you just raise your hand so I'm not out here by myself? You've seen it. It's, it's a level of hate that is unexpressible. So Palestine is saying, Palestinians, we're coming in. Israel's saying, oh, no, you're not. The tension there, you back up and go, well, who's right? Who's wrong? It's actually way bigger than that. We got a hook in Russia. We got a hook in Iran. We got a hook in the United States. We got a hook in Israel. We got a hook in Iran. Or China. We're pulling them all together. This is not by mistake. Before we go off putting people's face on a dartboard and throwing darts at somebody's face, let's just remember this whole scene was prophesied over 2,000 years ago. We're just watching it right now. We're just watching it. it put, people are antagonizing each other, saying things, all this kind of stuff. Every nation seems to be mad at everybody. Have you noticed that? All right. Let's move along. Name identification. Um, when you're reading your scriptures, I want to give you a few uh, words to be able to wrap your head around so that you can study on your own. Anytime you hear the land of Magog, like what we just read in the book of Ezekiel, that's Russia. Now, none of this is, this is all proven stuff. This isn't just Frankie talking. Gog is the leader of Magog. So when we just read Gog and Magog, we're talking about Russia and the leader of Russia. Now, Many theologians, modern-day theologians, believe that Gog is Putin. That's speculation. 
What we do know, he may be, he may not be. We don't know that for sure. What we do know is that when the time comes, when that war is actually happening, Magog is Russia, the leader of Russia is Gog in the scriptures. Mishesh, that's the Moscow area. Tubal, that's the residents who are around the Black Sea. Persia, that's Iran. Anytime you're reading in the Bible and it says Persia, you just think Iran. Kush, northern tier countries of Africa. Put, that's parts of Europe. Here comes the big one and the last one that I'm going to discuss. The beast in Revelations chapter 13. Now it's entertaining to me, not really entertaining, I'm saying that in a cheeky way. Sometimes we'll say, you know, this political leader, he's the beast. And then it's like four years later, no, 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 he's the beast. And four years later, no, 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 he's the beast. Here's the reality. That doesn't measure up to scriptures. The beast, according to scriptures and talked about by theologians, and I'm going to back this up scripturally, is the Islamic belief system. And let me explain to you why. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, particularly, the last time I talked about end times, I got an email from here to Galveston defending the Islamic belief. And so let me just kind of get myself in the safe zone. Islamic belief is evil, period. Not going to argue with you about that. But just for... Just for, just for the person who wants to email me, I'm going to just cater to you and just get a little bit more specific and say radical Islam. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Radical Islam. Am I okay with that? Radical Islam. They are just evil. And this is why. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. He shall speak, speaking of the beast, shall speak pompous words against the Most High shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. The reason why I can with confidence and other theologians and and, and ministers that are far smarter than I am, the reason why we can with confidence say that the beast is radical Islam and the Islamic belief is because... There is no other belief system that fits that verse so perfectly in a plethora of others. I'm just not going to exhaust you by going through 40 of them. Because watch this. It says, persecute the saints. Radical Islam prides themselves in killing Christians. You've watched it on television. There's no reason to argue about that. Radical Islam, they have, particularly the Islamic faith, has set forth to change the times. Now, what does that mean? On your watch, don't look at it because I'm only preaching for an hour this morning. The, on your watch, you and I follow Greenwich time. GMT, that's in the parentheses on your watch. The GMT, that's Greenwich time. What is that? That is the time out of London. We all follow that. We've been following it for eons. Thank you. The Islamic belief, they came along and said, we don't want to follow Greenwich time anymore. Going back to that scripture that they will change the times. 
the largest clock, outdoor clock, in the world. You can find it in Mecca, Saudi Arabia. They do not follow Greenwich time like you and I and the rest of the world. They now follow a different time. They follow Mecca time. They got Their watch ticks different. Watch this. Not only did it say it would change the times and the law, it says change the times. Now let's talk about how they're trying to change the law. See, there is a civil law that all countries just seem to follow. We've never had a big meeting about it. It's just human civil law. For instance, it doesn't matter what country you go to, killing people is wrong. It's a civil law. They have a new set of laws ignoring the civil law. Their sense of laws is Sharia law, which means... If you don't believe the way we believe, we have a right to kill you. If you're an adulterer, you can be killed for that. If you're a homosexual, you can be killed for that. If you do not share their tenets of faith, you can be killed for that. That is called Sharia law. See, civil law, if you go to... Paris, if you go to Australia, if you go to New York, you can believe whatever you want to believe. If you want to be an adulteress, we're not going to kill you over it. Your wife or husband might, <laughs> but we're not. Are you with me? They're coming up with their own law, their own times. And politically, they're changing the laws as well. Eight U.S. embassies. And I think uh, it, if it's not eight, it's more. I, I was trying to count them, and I, I got up to eight, and then uh, I got distracted, to be completely transparent with you. But eight United States embassies within the last, I think, six years, I counted. So I'm, I'm quite confident it's more than eight, have been attacked, and people have been killed. And the United States and other countries, for the first time ever, we just kind of freeze. Because the whole world is afraid of making the Islamic, radical Islam, their entire system, ISIS, all that. We don't want to make them more mad than they already are. We're afraid. Because they might do some more terrorist attacks, etc., etc., etc. Like I said, we're living in a whole new day and age. We're living in, for, uh, I'm not going to get in because you'll think I'm being political, but there once was a day where the United States wasn't afraid of, I'm just going to say it in a double negative because it just sounds better. We ain't afraid of nobody. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody got no learning, no way. We will, just sounds like I mean more whenever I say it that way. The, 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 the United States is, we've pri- we have prided ourselves you touch one of ours, we'll take you, we're going to go ballistic on you. Now it's a different story. Why? They have changed the political face. This Islamic belief is a beast that's gotten so large that the largest, most powerful countries in the world are afraid of this beast. Let me keep on unpacking this a little bit more. 
In Revelations chapter 13, verse 18, it says that the number of the beast, now I'm going to start talking about the, the number of the beast, uh, for it is the number of a man, his number is 666. Now, uh, allow me to have a little bit of fun with this because this is such a serious topic that just let me kind of lighten it up a little bit. When I was growing up, I was taught and I was raised in church that that was going to be a tattoo of some sort. We just believed that. Did anyone else where you raised that way? It was going to be some, some, I mean, tattoo parlors were going to be booming. <laughs> All right. Just on the hand, on the forehead. I mean, it, that was it. And then we realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's not going to be a tattoo. It's actually the UPC barcode. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm eating a bowl of cereal as a kid, looking at my Fruit Loops going. <laughs> looking at that barcode thinking, oh my Lord, this is 666 right here. I don't think I want to eat the Fruit Loops anymore. Because in the Bible, if you don't have the 666 on your right hand or on your forehead, you can't buy uh, anything. You can't sell anything. That's the monetary, uh, that's like in place of the dollar. Uh, So this was a big deal. And that number is 666. So then we decide, okay, it's not going to be a tattoo. It's not going to be a UBC barcode. It's now going to be a chip in your hand. Which... I hope nobody gets offended about this, but I was like, man, that would be awesome, actually. Can you imagine? You don't have to carry a wallet. You don't have to carry keys anymore. You uh, you go to, you know, Papacitos, and they say, that's going to be $36.95. You get in your car, broom. You go to your house, click, click. I mean, that's awesome. And then we we backed up and go, no, 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 hold on. If you get that chip, you're going to go to hell. And I'm like, well, a lot of people, dogs are going to hell. German shepherds like crazy are going to be in. Because <laughs> there's a lot of chips and dogs nowadays. But some of you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. It's not important. <laughs> Cats have chips. Everybody's got dogs. So, so then we backed up and go, hold on a minute. It's not going to be a tattoo. It's not a UPC barcode. It's not a chip in somebody's hand. It actually looks way different than what we ever thought it would be. I showed this video a few years back. I want to show it again. Why don't you take a look at this? A former Islamic terrorist, named Walid Shubat, who has become a born-again Christian, has discovered a connection, between the name of Allah, and the 666. He explains that the Greek letters, XES, which John wrote in Greek, are actually the Arabic phrase, Bishmillah, which means, in the name of Allah. He says that what John saw, were actually Arabic letters, which John could not read, which bore a resemblance to the Greek alphabet in which John wrote. It would have been pointless to write symbols of another language, which could not be read by the Greek readers of Revelation. So it is very possible that the Arabic Bishmillah is indeed what John saw, and recorded in Greek letters. The first symbol of 666, are the Muslim crossed swords, the X character, a symbol of Islam and Jihad, which are often used by Muslims, on flags and military symbols. Notice the handles on the swords. The middle, E, symbol, is an Islamic symbol called Bishmillah, Arabic for Allah, or, in the name of Allah. When you turn the Bishmillah on its side and place it in a mirror, it forms the same middle Greek character, as written by John. Notice the line drawn, above Allah, and the hook, on its end.
the line, it is part of the word Allah, it is not an underline. Notice the same hook in the line drawn by John. It matches the line, in the name Allah exactly. The third character is the Greek character stigma, which means mark, or badge of servitude. The Greek XES or 666, has been noted not just in the Bishmila, but also in the Shahada, which is the Islamic confession of faith, which is what the Quran states, will be written on the badge of servitude, on the day of judgment. It has also been noted, that in the Arabic calligraphy form, the name, Al-Akbar, contains three sixes, which can be clearly seen. During Salah, Muslim prayers, the name, Al-Akbar, is repeated constantly and is recited, exactly 111 times per day, for six days, which equals 666, therefore a direct connection, between the name, Allahu Akbar and the number 666 can be perceived. The Bible speaks about taking the mark, on the forehead or right hand. It has been pointed out, that Muslims are already wearing marks, on their foreheads and arms, as Islamic banners of protest, and jihad. So Muslims have already been conditioned to take the mark, as a symbol of their belief. The Greek word sharagma, used for mark, means a stamp, an imprinted mark. So a follower of the Antichrist, will have a stamp on their body, or on some form of badge, to be placed on the forehead or arm. In John's time, the use for sharagma was reserved for slaves in what was called, a badge of servitude. So, it's a badge, that declares slavery and ownership by the master, and his followers, use it to demonstrate allegiance to this master. This would fit Islam, since according to Islamic theology, Muslims are slaves of Allah, and Islam is the religion of, submission. There is a very interesting headband, which actually has the XES written on it, with crossed swords. They call it, the Shahid, headband. Amazingly the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, tells us exactly what the name Allah, really means. The name Allah is actually the Hebrew word, for curse, or oath. Strong's Dictionary says it's, an imprecation, curse, cursing, execration, oath, or swearing. So, Allah is actually the word, for a curse. It would appear that by wearing the name Allah, you are in point of fact, wearing a curse. What I'm trying to tell you is, the last days are right now, right now. Let me talk a little bit, I'm, I'm coming to a close shortly, about nature. There's been so much discussed about global warming. Um, it's my belief that human contribution to global warming is very minimal. Uh, if everybody starts driving electric cars, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to move the needle about, about that much. The Bible says this in Revelation chapter 16 verse 8. An angel will pour a vial of heat upon the sun. I hope you guys are seeing what I'm seeing. We're just connecting the dots this morning. We're coloring by number. We're taking the word of God. We're looking at what is happening in our society. And we're just being honest with each other. And we're saying, 
Jesus Christ is coming back very, very soon. The interesting thing about nature, there has always been natural disasters. Natural disasters have been happening for centuries. What is alarming to me is the frequency and the intensity of the natural disasters. They are so close together that it has become the norm. When we turn on the TV and we see wildfires in California, there once was a day where we would sit down and go, oh my goodness, what is happening? Now we just think it's just another fire. We just had a massive flood. People in our church lost their homes, which I want to say is a sidebar. We took up an offering for them, and I just want to say thank you. You guys were so incredibly generous that we were able to get most of their floors and walls restored and replaced. And so I just want to say thank you for that. But absolutely. But I got a text message from my aunt in Jersey, and she says, hey, looks like a flood over there. You guys okay? And I started laughing, not literally, but it's so casual. Oh, another flood. People just lost their homes, and it's just another flood. The frequency and the intensity are so close together that we have to back up and say, wait a minute here. If this was an outlier, then okay, we could brush it off. But when you take that with all of the other signs that are in Matthew chapter 24, and I'm going to unpack them over the next two weeks. This is going to be a three-week series, and there's not going to be any emotionalism, any manipulation, no scare tactics, just laying out the facts, and then you sort it out between you and the Lord. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So I'm going to lay it out before you, and you do with it with what you want. Now I'm praying that it will sound an alarm in your spirit because this is by far the most important thing that we could ever discuss and you can ever consider doing as far as a decision in your life. But the intensity of the, the natural disasters, the frequency is alarming. Where is America in all of this? Many people have wondered that. I've wondered that. I go down the list and I'm saying, okay, when you read Magog, it means this. When you meet, read... You know, there's no America. So let's just, let's just be honest. There's one or two possibilities on why America is not in the Bible. Number one, we're not in the Bible because we don't exist in the last days. It's a possibility. There's two possibilities. That's the first one. That wouldn't be beyond God. He has wiped cities off the face of the earth before. Our nation is a very sinful nation right now. We've been sinful for a very long time. And a day of reckoning is due. Possibility number one is we are wiped off the face of the earth. Possibility two. Now keep in mind, in order for us to be wiped off the face of the earth, the way terrorists are operating nowadays, these cells, these terrorist cells popping up on cities, I feel like sometimes we're a sitting duck. I mean, people are walking in with bombs and 
You, you guys see the world we're living in. So we're either A, we're not, we don't exist, or B, the second possibility, and this is the one I choose to believe in just because of how I see the world. We don't know if this is the case. I feel like the decision for us, we, haven't, we don't know what God's going to do. But the Bible says this in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. We are an eagle. That is our mascot. That is our bird. That, that is us. And I choose to believe that Israel... Now, this is going to be the deciding factor. If you want to know whether or not we're following in category one or category two, this is just Frankie talking. This is not in the Bible. This is just me talking. The way we can have a, a weather, a, 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 a bellwether. Am I saying that right? A bellwether. The way we can feel on what God may do is pay attention to how we treat Israel. If we're faithful to Israel, I believe that God will be faithful to us. If we turn our back on Israel, I am afraid of the consequences on that. There may be a strong possibility because Israel is this big that we are the eagle's wings that carries Israel. But here's the thing. God does not need the United States of America. He can take care of Israel all by himself. And so I think we just need to back up and accept the fact that we don't know what's going to happen with the United States. I pray that that's who we are. But we don't know. My question to this, at this point of the message is, we don't know about the United States, and there's so much we don't know. What we do know is that we are in the last days. I look forward to sharing more things with you over the next two weeks. But what we do know is you are responsible for you. And the Bible says this, and let me read it to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, it will happen in a moment. In a blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be, rose, will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. God has a history of knowing that destruction is coming and taking his people out first. He has a history of doing that. When he looked down at the world and it was a sinful world, Noah and his family were saved. When he looked down at Sodom and Gomorrah and he already decided, I'm going to blow this place to smithereens. I'm going to rain fire down on this place. Before he did, he pulled out Lot. He has a history of pulling out his own. The Bible says this. That two will be in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be in the bed, one will be taken, one will be left. He has a history of coming right before 
destruction and taking his people out. So we already know destruction is coming. We already know that ISIS and radical Islam, the nations are coming together. If the Lord follows suit, and I say if because he can do whatever he wants whenever he gets ready. But if he follows suit, he will pull us out first. That means it can be any time. Any moment, any time. Here's my question. If it happens today, are you ready? If it happens today, not only are you ready, but what about your son and daughter? I'm telling you, that is the biggest spiritual battle we will ever fight. My, my wife right now is in Canada because her dad is not doing good. He's got four, stage four cancer. He is so frail and so skinny. And we are praying for his soul like we have never prayed before. And I appreciate it if you would pray as well. Because he's got stage four. He should have died within six months. He's on 15 months right now. We are praying like we have never prayed before. She is there right now doing the best she can to not be overwhelming with the Bible, but to be urgent with the Bible. And there's such a delicate balance. We have got to make sure that our heart is ready for the Lord. We can't. I said this last week. I'll say it again. You cannot play patty cake with the Lord anymore. Those days are over. You cannot play around with this anymore. The prince, the singer, player, he just died. And I was with a buddy last night and he goes, isn't it amazing? That guy had millions and millions and millions of dollars. And just like that, poof, he's gone. And all of his stuff is sitting somewhere in a house. And He's standing before God. And God is deciding where his soul is going to go. And we don't even talk about the fact that he died anymore. We're on to new news. Are you ready for your heart to stop beating? And what about your family? And what about your friends? And do whatever you can to drag your family and to drag your friends at least once or twice a month. Get them in the house of God. There's something about the house of God. David said, I love to come to the house of God where his presence dwells. And I've said this before. Don't say, well, his presence can be felt out anywhere. That's not true. His presence is everywhere because it's an omnipresence. But the manifest presence is when he says, that is where my presence will be experienced. Get your friends, get your family in this room. And if they won't come, beg them to come. At least once or twice a month because this is so real. Let's all stand to our feet for me, please.
I'd like our prayer partners to come down all throughout the room. With your head down and your eyes closed, nobody looking around. I ask this, actually, put your head up and look at me for a minute. I, I forgot my visual illustration and I got to do my visual illustration. I got it already. Pastor Bettinger, I actually got it from you. He preached for me last Wednesday night. You know what I'm about to do, don't you? He preached for me last Wednesday night. I listened to the whole thing and you crushed it. It was amazing. And so I was listening to him and he was like, imagine a pitcher of water. I was like, how about we bring a pitcher of water? Imagine a pitcher of water is wanting to be poured into this cup. But the cup keeps on moving. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is likened to oil. God wants to pour His Spirit on you so bad. And for those of you that have already experienced the Spirit, He wants, you, he wants it to swell up inside of you like a spring. But we, my friends, have got to stop moving around. We've got to stop moving around. We've got to say here and say, I'm not moved. There's got to be, quitting is addictive. Have you ever noticed that? Quitting is so addictive. You, you quit it one thing, it gets, you got to get used to quit. It's not a big deal to quit things anymore. This is the one thing we cannot quit. We cannot be attached to our emotions and our feelings. We are a nail. We've got a boat. We're going to stand in the boat. We're going to worship God. We're going to wait. Absolutely.